This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Ambulatory Surgery Center's podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Misty Pearson, Administrator of Fish Pond Surgery Center in Waco, Texas. Misty, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Before we jump into the questions, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Um, yes, um, I graduated with my uh, Bachelor of Nursing in 1995. And I worked in surgical intensive care for about five years. I actually still work in SICU one week in a month just to keep up my clinical skills. And I left that full-time position in 2000. I started working in the pre-op PACU area of um, uh, ambulatory surgery center, at Fish Pond Surgery Center, actually. And uh, through the years and as often as the, the case is at a surgery center, you learn to wear lots of different hats. And I trained as an OR circulator. I took over the QAPI program, the pharmacy ordering, and eventually I did the director of nursing position. And then um, when our long uh, time administrator left in 2013, I moved into the administrator role. And then, um, you know, my background was nursing though, but I, the challenge of learning the new aspect of that business. And so I enrolled back in school. I earned my MBA in 2016 and I continued working with ASC as the administrator. Since that time, we've transitioned to a new management group with uh, Compass Surgery Partners. And I've enjoyed learning through that experience as well. That's fascinating to think about how you start off, you know, just in the nursing and the PACU and then working your way up and taking on additional responsibilities. And, you know, when you earned your MBA, what do you feel like you took away from that experience that really helped you um, in being an administrator of the ASC? Well, again, because my, my background was nursing. So I just felt, you know, sitting in the meetings that um, I just wanted to know more about the financial side of the business, the, the business aspect of it, really. And so that's, that was the impetus behind me getting into to earn my, my MBA. That's what drove me to do that, just because I just wanted to have that knowledge. That makes sense. Well, perfect. And, you know, I know this past year, 2020 was challenging, especially amid the pandemic with COVID-19. And, you know, what was the most important lesson that you learned during the pandemic? (laughs) I've said that, um, well, being prepared is not just for the preppers. (laughs) (laughs) I think that it, it just really hit home how important it was um, to have a game plan for those things that we categorized as surely that is not ever going to happen. I think that uh, the pandemic probably made us all feel um, pretty vulnerable because we lost control of our schedules, uh, the supply chain. We weren't sure about staffing, finances. I mean, you name it, it all just kind of became pretty questionable at times. And it just made me take a step back and feel really grateful for the resources that I did have available to me. And to be honest, for other administrators out there, it really made me see the value in that emergency operation plan that they make us do. Absolutely. Was a pandemic ever anything that you had anticipated or or one of the scenarios that you had ever gone through? Or um, (laughs) is this really uncharted territory? Um, you know, there is, there is an, an infectious disease 
module or an infectious disease plan that you can have in your emergency operation. But I don't think that we could have foreseen the scale that that COVID hit us on. I don't think that in any way I could have, or really anybody could have seen the way that it could have affected the business the way that it did. Absolutely. So how are things today? You know, obviously we're about a little more than a year since really there were lots of shutdowns across the U.S. for elective surgery and in some cases surgery centers halting procedures. Uh, so where where is the center today? Um, we're in a good place. It's a much, and I think we came back really, really strong. I think we were very fortunate here in Texas um, that we were able to um, continue doing cases through most of the pandemic, that we weren't completely shut down. And especially, it actually kind of gave ASCs a really a great opportunity to be able to showcase how we were able to provide safe care during the pandemic and um, gave a, a great place to do elective surgeries. I think it was a great opportunity for ASCs in general to say, here we are, we provide this great value service, and um, we came out stronger on the other side, actually. Got it. That, that really makes sense. And now when you look into the future, how are you thinking about growth? Well, again, we, you know, we just changed management companies. We joined with Compass Surgical Partners right before the pandemic. Um, and, you know, with that change, growth was, has been one of our big focus points for our center. Um, the, the dynamic had changed so much from when we had started with our original owners. They were, um, some were getting older, some were retiring. We had a large number of those owners that had transitioned from an independent practice to becoming hospital employees. Um, so for us, from that and then with COVID, it's just really important to syndicate, explore opportunities and service lines that we had not previously provided. And we're just encouraging new investors, current investors, as we're trying to capture increased case volumes through just showcasing an efficiency model here at the surgery center. And then from the patient perspective, we're working with them on payment plans, options to make their surgery costs more feasible. We're just doing all these things to be able to grow our service lines, our case volumes, and just overall just grow the business. It's interesting to, to think about, you know, how it sounds like the surgery center is moving into its next iteration or next generation. Um, when you look at exploring new service lines or potentially bringing in more physicians, you know, what, what's the landscape like for, for you there? Are you seeing, you know, more physicians um, being interested in it? Or are you really having to do a lot of outreach and education in terms of what the ASC can do for physicians? Um, no, I think actually we, we see a lot of interest in it. We're seeing, um, especially as we're seeing um, the ability with um, payers, shuttling some cases or shifting cases to the to the ASC so that we're we have the ability to do those cases here so we have the interest the issue is again a payer payer contracting is is can we get the reimbursements to do them in the surgery center and um, then um, just working with in our community 
I'm working with physicians that are employed by the hospital. You, you know, that's a, a dynamic that we're, we have to work with as well. Got it. Absolutely. That makes sense. Um, before we wrap up our conversation, what are your top three healthcare trends that you're following today? Well, I think that with the uncertainties that we faced this past year, uh, with in regards to getting the ability to get certain supplies, I think there's definitely been a shift out of necessity away from that uh, like just-in-time delivery model for supplies, you know, where we used to employ strategies to reduce inventory on the shelf. I think there's a recognition that that type of strategy carries risk. And of course, that presents a challenge because it requires capital to make those purchases, which will then essentially have to be stored. And we all know in an ASC setting that storage is like prime real estate. I, I think through the COVID pandemic, though, we, we especially saw how important it was to have control of those essential items that are needed for our business and to be able to minimize the risk that those items or supplies are going to be depleted. Um, so to help mitigate supply chain risk, certainly at our center, and I think it's probably the trend everywhere, there's a focus on vendor connections and relationships. For example, where we used to have like one primary vendor, it became necessary to participate and order through multiple suppliers so that we could take advantage of allocations during short, uh, supply shortages. And those connections also allow us to be able to have some control over spending as we know that pricing for supplies during these times kind of add to the burden um, with pricing increases. So I think that we all recognize that there are going to have to be options during these times. Um, I think there's going to be a move to be more flexible regarding those supply chain strategies. And um, then also another watch from a cost reduction standpoint, I think there's going to be that continued trend from those insurers to steer the patients to the ASC setting. And that, of course, is going to be beneficial to the patients as well in regard to the cost because they're going to have less out-of-pocket or overall expense with coinsurances, et cetera. And um, we also saw that uptick in patients being steered toward the ambulatory setting during the height of COVID. And that was driven not just from a cost perspective, but the focus on infection risk, which ASCs have always tried to emphasize as another benefit of using our facilities. I think it's just interesting to see that the hospital systems are now recognizing the importance of, of having a cooperative relationship with an ASC. So I think we'll probably see more uh, joint venture partnerships, um, which of course can be beneficial um, for everyone involved in that. And then uh, lastly, the last thing I saw, which is, I think is interesting, the different direction seems more common sense, or you may say, I, yeah, Missy. Um, I think there's a push uh, driven by healthcare consumers to get that personal touch back into the healthcare experience. And we know in general that patients have a choice about where they want to go for services or which providers they want to use. And healthcare systems recognize the importance of having loyalty in their patients and they're providing quality customer service and they're expecting high patient satisfaction, but like recent studies are showing that the biggest indicator for patient satisfaction was the feeling that those patients received that personal touch. And I was talking 
in years past to my grandmother, and she had told me stories about um, when her toddler son was diagnosed with polio, and she had to drop him at the hospital and leave him there, and he had to be quarantined. And I just remember being kind of appalled at the thought of having to be separated from her child during that illness. And then COVID struck here, and we kind of have these similar experiences now. And I just think that with the distancing and quarantine and visitor restrictions, we just saw this drastic decrease in the perception that the personal touch aspect of healthcare was there. So I just think with virtual visits, phone communications, electronic communications, and we're physically stepping back from our patients that we're just kind of removing that high, that highest driver for patient loyalty and satisfaction. So I just think that we're um, going to have to kind of have communication training programs to teach our doctors and staff to better interact with patients through those means. And even in our center, we found that those efficiencies that we thought that we were going to be getting from digital communication platforms, they were far less than the dissatisfaction that we got from the loss of that personal aspect that our patients got. So I think those are the main things that we're looking at. Misty, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Okay. Well, thank you for having me.